Welcome to yet another episode of the Logcast. We keep doing these. Uh, I'm David Jones, and uh, right and here is... <laughs> Hi guys, it's Kev, back again. Are you, are you laughing at me? It sounded like you were snickering over there. Yeah, no, I was just laughing because um, uh, you just reminded me of something from last night, which I haven't told you about. No. So. Cool. Do you want to do you want to know? Sure, or? sure. Why not? It can only be. Oh no, it's okay. <laughs> I um I did a spotlight on uh, well not a spotlight. I did a guest spot on um there was like a special marathon edition of the Foreign Watch on DK Vine, and they asked me a bit about the logcast and um this one guy Saf he said he he hasn't listened to the show yet but he was planning to wait until we've got a few more episodes out so he can just marathon a whole bunch in a row. And he asked if we were doing this on a weekly basis. And um, I said, yeah. Um, that's it. That was the whole cool. story. Why would anyone want to marathon a, <laughs> a two-hour weekly podcast all at once? Well, I did it with a conversation last year. I listened to like every episode twice. And there's like 150 of them. Well, bravo to you. <laughs> I, I couldn't do that, I don't think. I mean, not that they're not interesting, you know, but it's like... It's so time-consuming, unless you can find something that you're already doing that doesn't require you to focus on anything, so you can just listen. Well, usually for me, it's when I'm doing, like, manual labor at work, or if I'm having a bath, or if I'm playing a game that I already know quite well, mm -hmm. like, say, if I'm, like, grinding on a on an RPG or a shooter, you know, that's when I'll tend to listen to podcasts. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. So, <laughs> you're kind of just decrying our core audience there. Like, <laughs> when do people get time to listen well, no. to these kind of show? Well, no, it, it's more when it's like you know one a week. But I mean, like, I, I was speaking more to sort of the idea of like waiting until there's like, geez, like how many hours worth of, of podcasts has have we recorded? I mean, like, you're just gonna want to listen to like podcasts for like a hundred hours straight or something. Mm. I don't know. Well, I mean, if you average our episodes at like two hours, then we're already past the uh, fifty-hour mark because this is our no oh, shit. This is our twenty-fifth episode. So yeah, we'll have fifty hours of content. Woohoo! <laughs> that's, that's not even counting your uh, million rare episodes. Yeah. Uh. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how how are you doing anyway, man? Oh no, pretty good. Um excited to sort of have a slightly more relaxing weekend than last time <laughs> oh yeah a bit less uh sea of thieving yes uh, i was i was rather <laughs> engaged with the sea of thieves last week i pretty much spent all weekend uh but well i have a podcast too so basically i got up on saturday worked on the video recorded the podcast edited the podcast got it together went to bed got up the next day worked on the video some more finished it and then spent the rest of the light editing it and then sort of had like a few hours before bed to relax <laughs> but yeah it's um it's pretty time consuming being a rare fan these days mm -hmm. i uh i'm kind of getting nostalgic for that 10 year era where we had nothing right <laughs> not really no <laughs> <laughs> Um, so, your video went up anyway in the end, your, uh, your Sea of Thieves video. 
I thought it turned out really well, man. Yeah, people have been complimenting it, except for the two people who thumbed it down, which I've been told they, they are probably jealous. But uh, mm. I'm, I'm glad that people enjoyed it. I Two thumbs down, yeah? Yep, two, two people. Two people. Um, Chris and Tim Stamper? Well, um, according to the ant to um, the analytics, it's one's from Britain and one's from uh, the U.S. So, because mm. I can see that with my YouTube st- statistics. <laughs> so it's a bit of an odd statistic. You can see who you can see the region of the voters, but not the who they actually are. Yeah, you can just see where your likes and dislikes come from, and since there's only two of them. It was pretty easy to tell. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I mean, if anyone wants to check this out, uh, guys, uh, it's David's Sea of Thieves entry, and it's on our YouTube channel. Uh, you know, go on YouTube, search Rare and Friends. Uh, the video is called A Pirate's Modern Life, and it's already got, what, 150 views? Uh, 142. Yes, I know exactly how many views it has at any given time (laughs) (laughs) no it's just like uh, i'm convinced if i see a sudden you know influx in viewers that might be because it's being judged at that moment so i'm sort of just keeping an eye on it because i'm kind of like trying to figure out when they're where it's judging the videos Uh, (laughs) i'm guessing they're gonna have to start soon because they said they were going to be picking winners from the day Mm -hmm. the contest started so, unless, I mean, maybe that was misworded. I think we discussed this last week, but I guess it's possible that what they meant was um, the videos would be judged from day one. So it could be, like, if there's something that definitely won't be in the in the running for the prize, they'll, def- they'll throw it out immediately. But they'll, like, keep aside the ones that definitely have a good chance. Yeah, there could be, some, could be something like that. I mean... I don't know. It hasn't been super well clarified. Mm. But, I mean, I feel that they probably haven't selected any winners yet unless they specifically tell people not to say when they won. Because as far as I know, like, I haven't won and I don't think there's been any talk on any of the rare communities about any of them winning. So unless it's like people we don't even know about that have won so far. Or they're not allowed to say. Well, this could all be like a massive double bluff. Like, you could have won. They could have contacted you and said, don't you dare let on that you've won. (laughs) You're going completely the opposite direction. Like, oh, man, I'm really worried. I don't know if I'm going to win. Yeah, yeah. I signed, like, some massive NDA where they get to chop off my fingers if I say anything. (laughs) (laughs) The Yakuza shows up at my house. I don't know why Ware's affiliated with the Yakuza, but it seems that they are. Well, you know, they do have loose ties to Nintendo still, don't they? <laughs> so you're saying that Nintendo, just because they're a Japanese company, has uh, ties to Yakuza. I see how it is. No, I'm saying because it's historical fact that Yamochi had ties to the Yakuza. Like, you did know that, right? I didn't think it was anything, like, legit. I thought it just had to do with the fact that they made playing cards and stuff that was, like, associated with, like, Yakuza gambling or something. No, I'm pretty sure, like... Oh, what was it? It was in, like, someone's biography or autobiography about Yamochi being, like, like running in the same circles as some Yakuza guys. Hmm. Or Yamochi's son or something. I know there is a connection there, but I don't know. This is getting a bit dodgy. (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah, so what you're saying is if I don't buy the Nintendo NX, the Yakuza will kill me. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> Got it. By the way, I apologize if mm, I'm talking with my mouth full. I'm just eating a couple of slices of pizza because I've been eating all day. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> Can you hand oh. me some of that? <laughs> you might have to reach pretty far over, you know, the whole ocean, but... Hey, well, give it a few months, you'll be in Twycross, so I can take you out to a nice pizza place. <laughs> see see some uh, authentic British pizza? Which I'm... Yeah, well, it'll be better than the bangers and mash they're going to try and feed you at Rare. <laughs> Is that what it was in the video? Because I thought that looked delicious. Well, it's nice, but it just, I mean, I ate that all the time as a kid, so I'm kind of bored of it now. Bangers and mash, it's, you know, you know what bangers and mash is, don't you? Is it kind of like uh, like sausages stuck into mashed potatoes or yeah, something? Yeah, ba- bangers slang for sausage, so it's just sausage and mashed potato with great with like onion gravy. See, that sounds really good to me. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's just over here it's kind of like really common and like you know, it's just a simple dish whereas over by you guys I guess that would be really exotic. I wouldn't say exotic, but unusual i guess i mean it's not like a super common meal i think i've had something similar once before at a friend's house but it wasn't like mashed potatoes it was like potato slices with sausages that was the closest thing so it's nothing that like was really like weird to our palate it's just like not as commonly put together here i guess hmm well excuse me sorry this is disgusting um <laughs> There's actually a local restaurant where they do a special dish called East Meets West, and it's um, it's sausage and mash with um, chicken tikka curry masala poured all over it. <laughs> so it's like curry and like potato and sausage. And... <laughs> that sounds slightly strange, but intriguing. It is strange. I haven't tried it yet, but I'm told it's actually delicious you know it's one of those things where an unexpected fusion that actually works they kind of complement each other right so uh anyway um i was gonna say let's move on to the news but we've already kind of like partly covered our first uh item this week yeah we talked about the sea of thieves contest which i made a video and uh oh also agent uh andrew ape also made a video yeah, and I can't remember what his YouTube channel is called, but I'm guessing Agent Ape. <laughs> but I think what I'll probably do, um, as long as I check with uh, all the staff once they're done their videos, is I'll make like either a post with all the videos together, or you know, make a compilation <coughs> video of all four of our videos or something like that, just so you can see what we all did easily. Yeah, yeah, that'd be a good idea, man. Um, so yeah. Get get that that'll be a good way to apologize to Ape as well for forgetting his email and uh, YouTube account on on air. I, I think it's just Agent Ape. I imagine if you probably search is, Agent yeah. Ape on YouTube, it'll probably come up. Yeah, I I forget unless I'm subscribed to someone, I can never find them again. Because like YouTube, I don't really think about what something's called. Mm-hmm. I just you know watch content and. <sighs> anyway. Um... <clears throat> Uh, so the Thea of Thieves contest, I actually haven't even started on my entry yet because uh, I've had a few 
family things going on this week and like i don't get paid for another like 10 days like i don't get paid till the end of the month so i'm just going to play it cool for now and then sort of late march early april i'm going to spend maybe a week working on my entry it could be good you could be one of the last ones that kind of sneaks in when they're waiting for that you know that sixth winner that they can't quite decide on then your amazing video will come in and they're like that's it we're taking it <laughs> my mediocre video will come in and they'll be like mm, and then they'll see location what 30 miles from twycross and be like ah <laughs> like i wonder if that <laughs> get on the f- They'll get on the phone to Phil Spencer and be like, yeah, we need the full $2,000 for this guy. Like, you know, keep a 1000 for their bar tab. <laughs> like, I wonder if that works for or against you because on one hand, it costs them less. But on the other, you know, your prize is a lot less for you than it would be for someone else. Yeah, that's true. Well, I don't know because... I think the chance to 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 go to Twycross, I mean, like for you, the prize. It's more about Twycross than England, isn't it? Uh, I mean, it's a little bit of both because I've never been to England, so it's kind of exciting there too. So I, I'm like excited yeah, I about mean, the whole thing, especially rare, I guess obviously. If, if, I, if I if I had never flown transatlantic myself, I guess I would be a bit more excited if I was, you know, looking to win a competition say to you know new york or uh washington or somewhere you know somewhere reasonably close to my side mm-hmm. but um i suppose yeah i would be more excited if i hadn't been so yeah sorry i'll take that back i guess for you it it's a great double prize like england and rare in one like one go mm-hmm. i mean obviously the rare part is the thing that's the most exciting but the fact that, you know, it's a video game developer in another country that I'm visiting, I think kind of makes it, you know, just doubly as exciting. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, honestly, though, I mean, come on, if you live like 40 miles away and they pick six winners, they should just pick a seventh because it wouldn't cost them any money. <laughs> <laughs> what do they got to do? They got to get the, the price of handing you a visitor pass or something, which you probably would return at the end. That's all. It well, then, no, them. they'd still have to pay for my hotel because, like, I don't actually drive at the moment, so it would be really and even if i did drive like you know it wouldn't really be fair that you guys get like a private limo from your luxurious hotel and i'll just turn up <laughs> oh you could just bike there be, be fine oh yeah yeah that's all we do in england we ride bikes around the rainy countryside <laughs> i knew it and everyone's kind of you know circling london at all times because london's the only place in england that matters well <laughs> if you watch any American television, that's the, the sort of idea that you get. Yeah, I think it's pro- probably has to do with it just being that's the place that everyone's going to recognize, and they don't have to explain anything. All they got to do is show Big Ben, and then oh look, it's it's in England. We know where that is. Yeah, I guess if they show Kidderminster Library, it's not quite the same effect. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Although, come on, man. I bet Manor Park trumps London for you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd like... like I'd London's like to see cool, London, but, but it's just... It's it's one of about, I guess, 10 or 20 cities you have to see before you die. Like, there are other cities that you could see in America, I'm sure, that you still haven't seen. Whereas, you know, Twycross, it's like... You know, you could win the lottery tomorrow, and that wouldn't mean shit because Rare wouldn't let you in. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't matter how rich or poor you are. This is 
a real unless you become an amazing games de- designer and get to get get a job there then uh, this is a real one-off chance right and i think it's almost cooler that it's like right like i'm seeing the british countryside rather than just the place that everyone goes when they visit england you know yeah yeah it, it's like I'm one of those weird people that I think if I ever went on an extended stay, I wouldn't just want to go to London. You know, I'd want to go to like Wales and Yorkshire and all these weird little places and just kind of see how the more average life is. You know, I don't know. Weird little places. Weird you little do places. know Wales isn't in England, right? Oh, sorry. Shoot. Okay, I'm sorry. It's part <laughs> of the. I I know that. I do legitimately know that. <laughs> I'm sure you didn't mean it. It's just the way you phrased it. You said, if I ever went to England, I'd want to check out Wales. Okay. That'd be like if if I said, oh, if I ever went to the United States, I'd be be staying in Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I know I should have said UK instead of uh, England when I first put that off. That's okay. It's all kind of confusing the way it's structured anyway. Even I don't get it (laughs) half the time. Um. But yeah, anyway, I mean, we, we better move on because we've got a busy week ahead this week. But yeah, anyone uh, uh, who wants to check out Dave's entry who hasn't already, just head to the YouTube channel and, um, you know, get working on your own entries, you know. Be as subpar as possible, please. Yes. <laughs> just, <laughs> like, it's okay if you make yours good, but you need to look at our entries and make sure that yours is slightly below the ours. It's, it's all of them. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> We're okay um, if you win. We just have to win, too. Precisely. <laughs> uh, so, there was one big major piece of news this week, wasn't there? Oh, yeah. Well, not, well, not really... Ma- well, I'm saying that right. Not really major news, but I guess big, rare-ish kind of event that kind of came completely out of the blue, like a lot of these things have lately. Yep. Five things you didn't know about Banjo-Kazooie and... I really wasn't expecting this one because they already did two pretty in-depth videos about Banjo-Kazooie already. Yeah, yeah. Like, this was... Well, actually, I I was on Twitter about 10 minutes before and they actually tweeted saying, oh, what's that? A rare revealed for a beloved N64 classic. Uh, hmm, We'll see what we can do. Like, you know, kind of to tease it a little bit. Um, But I didn't expect Banjo because... As you say, they'd already done like two banjo videos. They'd done two Ian nuts and bolts. And um, I was thinking at the time, maybe it's a Goldeneye video. Like maybe they can get around the licensing issues by having it a free video on YouTube. Like I don't know how that would work. Are they allowed to discuss Goldeneye as long as they're not making a profit from it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems like they could discuss it. I don't know if they yeah. could show, actually show it, though. I don't know. Because they name-drop the Kongs a few times in the Rare Revealed videos themselves. Right, and, you know, I mean, even Nintendo referenced, had referenced Goldeneye when the remake came out. So, I feel like... I feel like it's just kind of like a legal minefield, and no one's quite sure or wants to deal with it or risk anything at this point. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, but anyway, I mean, I mean, I'm not complaining. This was uh, a great little video. I, I, I assume you had a chance to check it out because I know at the time you were busy. But oh yeah, I did. I, I ended up watching it shortly after uh, I found out about it. He was yeah. What What did you think? I was like very impressed that they still had some things we didn't know, even after <laughs> all this. 
I did roll my eyes a little bit at the start when they said, here's some facts that even the most diehard Banjo fans won't know. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to know all of this. <laughs> but, uh, no, no, no. There are a few... Um, few well, let, let's do the list anyway. I mean, if we go one by one. Um, so, like, first up, they were talking about the, the musical intro. Yeah, how they were going to, like, sing their own introductions. Almost like a musical. Which... Yeah. <laughs> which would have been amazing and I kind of wish that they would have at least got as far as recording that so they could have unearthed it and laid as a surprise I feel like it might have been slightly distracting and probably wouldn't have worked as well as what they finally did with the weird noises for characters but at the same time it sounds awesome and I want to hear what they had planned yeah it's a shame they didn't have any um, like archive recordings that they might have done but uh, it was still cool to learn about how the intro came together because it's it's kind of one aspect of the game that's never really discussed that much. And like when you play the game, it's like really iconic. But outside of the game itself, like when we've talked about it, we never really touched touched on the intro. And the intro is brilliant. Yeah, it really sells the tone of the game straight away. And they mentioned that uh, Banjo's hip movements are actually mo capped. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that before. Mm-hmm. That's why Banjo has such sexy hips. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Who did they say did the mocap? Oh, I, I forgot. One of those jokers. Oh, well. Probably Grant. Yeah. I could see him doing that. <laughs> <laughs> um So yeah, anyway, part part two was uh, well, the second thing you didn't know was uh, Feeding the Trolls. Oh, this is the one about um, all the Project Dream assets that they kind of recycled into various places, yeah. right? Yeah, think... like the ghosts were the heads of the trolls in Dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and what, didn't they... The door knocker, was, wasn't that from uh, the NES version of Dream all the way back somehow? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and more importantly, uh, Mumbo Jumbo is not a Jinjo. Yeah, which is weird because like I think for years we've assumed he was because he's just a Jinjo body with a skull head. I could have sworn so just... Ed Bryan had said he was a Jinjo like a long time ago or something. He but... did. Then he just he did. It was uh, on Twitter or something. He said it was. Um, or hint. I can't remember if he actually admitted or dropped very strong hints. But in this video, he's like, yeah. Mumbo's, uh, like, um, body is based on that of a Jinjo, but he's definitely not a Jinjo. <laughs> and then the announcer's like, well, that's one fan theory put to rest. <laughs> oh, well. It's a shame, but, oh, well, at least we've got, like, official word of God on that now. I think he's just, maybe he's a dead Jinjo. Maybe he's, like, a bastard child between Jinjo and, I don't know, Bumper. <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, well I mean it doesn't really matter I guess what Mumbo Jumbo is yeah I don't think like anyone even really thinks about it outside of us few weird <laughs> weirdo freaks and geeks yeah it's very important <laughs> for us to know for some reason it's a lizard man <laughs> He's controlling the entire world because the lizard men are taking over. 
Okay, before you get lost in your own thoughts, uh, should we move on to number three? Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome audio. Awesome origins. Origins. We're talking over each other. Ah, <laughs> uh, I'm trying to put that title to what it actually was in the video, and I'm not sure if I am remembering. Oh uh, well, they were talking about how a lot of the sounds came from different places, but like, um, <clears throat> you know, Mumbo was. Um, Come and have you come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, come and have a go if you think you're hard enough. Uh, to be honest though, all the bits from this section were things Grant's already talked about before. Like he talked about it on the uh, the Game Grumps episode he was on. Yeah, so, I don't think we really learned that much there. <clears throat> it's a big no, to see. It's kind of him telling the same old stories again, really, yeah. which is it's good. You know, it's good. You know, I guess more people will see it this way, but. Yeah, like, we, we actually knew all this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice to see Grant all swearing and stuff. It was amusing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, okay, Tootie's Lost Adventure. It's number four. I think this is probably a pretty big deal that we didn't know about before. Yeah, right. So, they said that um, originally, when Grunty... Sh- like fires her last spell at the end of the game when she falls from the tower that was originally going to hit Banjo and turn him into a frog and then you'd take control of Tootie and she'd have to like collect items from every single stage in the game uh, to save Banjo and I thought this sounded like a great idea it's a real shame it got cut yeah maybe it just seemed too jarring after like you know at that point, you've already been playing it for hours and hours, and all of a sudden you're 2D. I don't know. It would have been cool, but I wonder if it would have been made like a better, maybe like an unlockable mode that was kind of separate, not so much as being the actual end of the game. I don't know. I feel like yeah. they could have done something with it. Possibly. I mean, I think it was just, uh, it was just a shame, really, because. I don't know, like, in some way you think, oh, I wish they hadn't told us that, because now I'm going to be thinking for ages, like, what could it have been, how would that, how would it have played, and, um, I guess it's nice that we know, but, and it answers that age-old question, like, I've always wondered what the point was of Grunty firing that final spell, because it seems so random they put that in, of her shooting that spell, and then it just bounces off the floor. So I guess at least we've got an answer for that finally. Mm-hmm. Man, if this great, we're gonna know, you know, just as much about Banjo's development than the devs do. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of cool though the way they're just opening the doors and just like spilling out all this information that we haven't, you know, known for years and years. Yeah, it's awesome. Like, literally everything's just out now. Mm-hmm. So, um, number five, uh. Fishing for inspiration. Uh, what was this one again? <clears throat> Wasn't this talking about how like uh, certain characters were named after like staff members? Oh uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Like, and they actually went a little bit into Tui here. How um, oh, I can't remember his name. That guy. Oh god, what was it? You Lord... know the guy. Was it Lord Wu Fak Fak? No, I know, yeah, the boss Lord Wu, Fak Fak, but it was 
because of this one guy, and I can't remember his name. He's like, he's in like all the rare revealed videos. Um, I keep forgetting his name. Is it Paul? <clears throat> Paul something with an M. Paul Majek or something. Yeah, he's a really senior programmer engineer there. I probably yeah. just we probably just butchered his last name, but probably. <laughs> but yeah, apparently, like he used to always say, like, "I'll," you know, get really angry when stuff wasn't working. But like, fuck, fuck, fuck. And then uh, when it worked out, it'd be like, woo! So, yeah, essentially, it's Lord Woo fuck fuck, but, you know, censored for uh, the audience the game's aimed at. Um, but they also kind of... It, it might have been earlier in the video, actually, but they did, like, kind of poke fun at themselves for, like, sneaking in dirty references in their games. <laughs> They're like, where did we ever get that reputation from? <laughs> <laughs> And they like zoom the camera in on the uh, the Jolly Roger menu. <laughs> yeah, that was that was pretty good stuff. Um, <laughs> uh, was there any other name names they kind of revealed in that last bit, or was it just? Uh... I think there was one or two, but I can't. Yeah, hmm. I can't quite remember, but um, it was. Uh, but what I liked though about this video was like the the liberal use of like beta footage, like the untextured bubble gloop swamp. Right, I know. It was just Oh. They could have showed us just something from the XBLA version, but no, they're gonna show us more beta footage because they know that's what we want. <laughs> but it looked so clean and high res, like do you think this was captured directly again, like the Twelve Tail stuff? Do you think they kind of ripped this from an early build on like oh. a recent emulator. Yeah, I'm sure they did. Um, it seems like all this stuff lately has been from some emulators, so they definitely got some ROMs there that I want. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, whoever, whoever, if anyone we know um, wins the contest, one of the things we have to ask them to do is see if they if they can ask permission to play some of the beta builds. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah. Like that to me would be even better than like Sea of Thieves. And I don't mean that against like Sea of Thieves looks amazing, but at the end of the day, that game is coming out soon. Whereas some of those beta builds, they're going to be sort of locked into Wycross forever. Mm -hmm. <laughs> man, <laughs> just this thing though, man. Imagine if you won and just got to go and play Project Dream and. Twelve Tales and Banjo 2.5D, in addition to being one of the first people to play Sea of Thieves, that'd be amazing. Yeah. Well, uh, but anyway, I mean that's uh, that's a dream for another time. Right. In six weeks, we'll know if we'll either be on top of the world or we'll cancel the logcast forever. Like, how dare Microsoft not spend thousands of dollars to fly me to Tricost to visit my favorite game studio? This is an outrage. Bill Gates has got a lot to answer for. Mm-hmm. Like how <laughs> Bill Gates is still blamed for everything Microsoft-related, even though he's been, like, retired for years. Yeah, retired, like, what, over ten years ago? <laughs> nearly ten years. <laughs> Just... uh, well, the thing is, like, this isn't even... If you look on the Sea of Thieves site and the the rules and that, this is uh, being funded by Microsoft Island, which is such hmm. a weird choice. 
Maybe that's where Bill Gates lives on the Microsoft. Yeah, side. probably. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Um. Anyway, dude, uh, I kind of think we said all we need to say about that banjo video. It's it's really it's just worth watching, really, because a lot of the stuff. It's great to the hardcore banjo enthusiast, but I mean. I don't want to discuss every single little bit because that kind of ruined the point, you know. Just go watch it and, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's yeah, it's it's good. It's hey, good. Yep. And besides, we have a pretty big show for you guys today. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Do you want to hit that button? Yes. And okay. it's hit. <laughs> Well, hey there, I'm Banjo. Time for the main feature of the week. It's what you've all come here for. How much will those two idiots ramble on this week? Stay tuned to find out. Good. Good. So, main feature. What could possibly be? It's not like we said what it was last time or anything. Yeah, and it's not like, you know, most people watching this will have seen the title card or listening to this, rather. No. But, um, yeah, Goldeneye, man. Goldeneye 007 yeah. uh, debatably uh, the most commercially successful rare game of all time and the most possibly the most fondly remembered by the casual and mainstream gaming audience yeah you bring up N64 to anyone I was like oh yeah I used to play Goldeneye on that all the time and it's like it's like the one game that like everyone had no matter yeah. of, like what type of games you enjoyed everyone had Goldeneye it's the one like movie tie-in game that's remembered to this day for being pretty much astounding and like it's such an odd get the fact it even exists and exists in the form that it does is just so weird i know i mean licensed games are usually bad and now we're at the point where if someone says goldeneye unless you specify it's the movie everyone assumes you're talking about the game yeah. Like, <laughs> how often does that happen? The movie tie-in becomes more iconic than the movie itself. Yeah, so. it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Like, um, well, I don't know if I'd say more iconic. Well, not over in England anyway, but I'd say on equal footing, perhaps. I mean, you got to remember, Goldeneye was Pierce Brosnan's first Bond movie, so it kind of sticks out for that. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's some, it, I'd say it's the most popular Pierce Brosnan movie. Yep, I love it because of Goldeneye the video game, and it's a good movie too. <laughs> yeah, it's a great movie. yeah, but but literally, I I'm I'm not sure. It's it's hard for me to be not biased towards it because of the video game. Like I'm not sure how much, you know, how it would stack up against other Bond films if there hadn't been Goldeneye the video game. But because there's been Golden at the video game, I just love it. Just because every time I see a set, I'm like, I remember playing that in the video game. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, that that speaks to, like, um, the brilliance of the level designers for GoldenEye. Because, um, yeah, they apparently what they did was um, some members of Rare went down to visit the set during filming and... Um, and then they got like a bunch of blueprints for every set, and then to recreate the the movie sets to the level of detail they did on the N sixty four hardware. That's 
something pretty incredible. I right. Think. Yeah. I heard they all got like special watches too. They all had like their own Bond watches as gifts. Oh, that's awesome. Kind of a random fact, but yeah. I think I remember hearing Grant <laughs> or someone talk about that, but having a Bond watch from the from the movie set. Yeah, and no, it's it's pretty amazing, especially if this sounds like the how they kind of recreated it. They literally just took the plans, built levels, and then once they had the levels, they tried to figure out objectives in them and how to make them, you know, be playable and completable. Yeah, and that to some extent is what sets Goldeneye apart from like more modern corridor shooters because, like, yeah, like you say, they built. A realistic environment first and then then basically chose a starting point ending point and objectives in between and the you know i think a lot of people start with the objectives and what they generally want to do in the level and then build the level around that whereas this was the other way around yeah i wish i wish more developers would do that today and just just create something that's fun first you know it's yeah it's not that hard to shoehorn story and stuff into it once you already, once you got the level built and you know, and it's fun to play and you got all that down. Yeah. As long as you have some talented writers, you can make a story work within that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. But uh, we're getting ahead of. Uh, sorry, we're we're kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but um. Going back to the movie, like, did, what did you actually? see first did you sorry did you play the game or did you see the movie first oh the game yeah it was probably not until years later that i finally saw the movie like the game was my first introduction to uh 007 as a franchise <laughs> so shit yeah um that's pretty late that's like i mean you were what like how, how old are you now like 30 uh, 30 so 97 so you'd have been what uh 11 when goldeneye came out i feel like i might have been a little bit older maybe maybe 12 not definitely not older than like 11 or 11 to 13 i'd say it's around when when's your birthday october 2nd uh 85 okay goldeneye came out august 97 so it was just before you turned 12 the game was released okay cool like i feel like maybe i didn't get it until like I feel like it was around my birthday, so maybe I got it for like my twelfth birthday or something. Oh. That's still weird though for like a kid of that age to have not seen a Bond movie. <laughs> or was he just Was um, it not as big a deal in America back then? It might have been a little bit of that and I don't think my mom really approved of James Bond or whatever or something. So it wasn't like a movie that I had access to watch. Well, the Bond movies are pretty, like, tame compared to a lot of their contemporaries. Yeah, I know. I, I, I agree. So my mom was just a little bit silly with things like that. I think it had to do with all the uh, scantily clad women in those movies. <laughs> That's the oh, only yeah. thing I can think of. The, the human body is too dangerous to show. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I don't but... know, man. <laughs> I mean, I eventually watched every single Bond movie, and I love the franchise, so it just wasn't until a little bit later. Speaking of which, I wanted to... Um, I was going to get Spectre a couple days ago, because uh, it's it's out on Blu-ray now, and um, I was actually going to ask if you'd rewatched it yet, because I remember we both saw it at the theatre, and I thought it was fairly good, but not amazing, and I remember you thought it was... I think you preferred it to me. You thought it was like 
Excellent. Yeah, I really liked it because I thought it was kind of bringing back a lot of the classic Bond uh, stuff. I have not rewatched it yet, though. Um, well, at some yeah. point, but still a lot of other things to watch. Like, uh, okay, okay, I, I nearly brought up Daredevil, but I won't because oh, that'll mate, cause, that'll I started cause... that yesterday. <laughs> I did. Look, too. I'll, I'll quickly sort of touch on that, but yeah, we're trying to avoid tangents. So, but. Basically, it's been an awkward weekend because like I've got my um my eldest son here like the whole weekend, and obviously you know I can't watch Daredevil with a seven year old, but when like when he's been in bed, I started watching it, and I'm like halfway through the third episode, which is pretty much a two hander between Daredevil and Punisher so far, and man, this series is on point, like they just hit the ground running from the first episode. I can't believe how fast it's moving. Like, I think I just finished episode four. Mm. It was really weird because it almost felt like, I won't give anything away, but it felt like things were resolving. And I was like, what's the rest of the show going to (laughs) be? Well, isn't it strange how, like, me and you pretty much, we're not, we don't dislike it, but we're not obsessive over the MCU in general. But... The Netflix stuff, like, honestly, I think the Netflix Marvel Universe keeps outdoing itself every time. Like, it just gets better and better. Yeah, I mean, I'm not ready to compare it to season one and Jessica Jones yet, because I haven't seen it all. Mm. But I get the feeling that things are going to go off the hook just because of how quickly they sort of resolved the initial plot. Because is it going to be kind of like an Empire Strikes Back where it feels like everything's a bit cozy after the first act and then shit hits the fan by the end? That That's what I'm feeling. <laughs> like, like literally, at the end of season... At the very last part of uh, episode four, I would say it feels yeah. like everything's, everything's sort of semi-resolved. And then literally just the last theme before the credits of that episode, just something, something happens, which I won't say. And it's like, oh, okay, so here's where I was... Because up to that point, like, the last ten minutes or so, I was like, okay, how are you going to... There's, there's ten more of these? What are they going to do? <laughs> so I'm thinking it's probably going to get pretty insane. So I'm excited. Anyway, um, before that tangent gets uh, too out of hand, uh, Goldeneye, the thing where we're talking about right now. <laughs> <laughs> right, so, yeah, I mean, we're not going to spend too much time talking about the movie, really. I mean, it's a great film. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we're here to talk about the game, really. So, uh, yeah, I guess um, before we go into the development cycle, uh, I was just going to ask, like, when was the first time you played the game? But you kind of already answered that. You say you got it close to release? Um, it was after release, but close to it. I remember mm. the first time I played it was um, was in a, a Toys R Us a kiosk. They still had they still had a ton of N64s because they had they had this big display um, from when the N64 originally came out. So they had like twelve or something N64s just in this little area for when people were trying it out. Because it was only like a year after, so they still had them. And so they just kind of were changing out the games for like a year or so. And um, for every reason, I was there. And then they had Goldeneye and like half of them, and that was kind of my first experience with it. And the first level I actually played was. Uh, the facility level and not the dam. Oh, okay. So to me, yeah, I was at the most, most fond memories from that because that was the first time I touched it and was going, you know, in that facility level when you're in the air duck and dropping down on the guy in the toilet. Like, man, that's just... 
It's just the best opening to a first-person shooter level of all time, in my opinion. <laughs> well, I think a lot of people, um, like even if they played it in the correct order, I think a lot of people's most like fond early memories are still of the facility because even though Dan was a great level and on the high difficulties it got quite complicated, I think most people would have started the game on agent mode and... Um, the dam is literally just like a one minute level on agent mode because you just like run and jump off the dam. Whereas facility, even on the most easy difficulty, there's quite a lot to do in that level and it really drives home the point of like um, objective based gameplay rather than reach the goal. That and the scientists like having those sort of just people you could shoot and fail the mission. Yeah. And then you still did anyway half the time <laughs> just for fun when you didn't care when you're replaying the level like i feel like people got really sadistic with that because it was like oh the game doesn't end when you fail the mission so i can just have fun like throwing remote mines at the scientists and stuff and <laughs> unlike yeah, I, I... um perfect dark zero which one of the major design flaws of uh, perfect dark zero is that you know you fail you fail an objective the mission ends like, I've got a lot more affection for those earlier games like Goldeneye where you can just you can screw things up and then just turn it into like a little toy box without being I know I spent I, I swear I probably spent more time just with that playing it as a toy box than doing the actual <laughs> objectives I would replay those levels <clears throat> so many times just not even care about the objectives and just you know throw on some of the cheat options so I have more weapons and then just find creative ways to dispose of my enemies oh some of the most some of the funnest times I had on that game were just fiddling around, tinkering with the cheat menu like, it put like, fast animation on, and then complete the final level, and when you jump on the helicopter Bond flies ahead of the helicopter yeah. um, or like, slow animation, the helicopter flies off before you even jump onto it like, it shows Bond jumping off the edge and the helicopter just flies away <laughs> man, more games need like, the cheat option menu it's just, so much fun what happened to cheats in general? Like in games, they just seem now to Now you pay vanish. for them. It's called DLC. Yeah. Microtransactions. Mm. Yeah. It just like, I mean, remember some of the fun I used to have on like Vice City, just spawning tanks and setting the police level to level six and keep refilling my health with a health cheat. And there's there's a lot of fun to be had. It's kind of like I suppose soft soft hacking in a way mm-hmm. so I don't know but yeah Goldeneye um, should I talk about my first experience yeah go on let's let's find out well my mate had it and uh, I came round his house and he was playing um, Temple on multiplayer with his brother and his dad and like I didn't really pay that much attention. I was like, oh, are we going to play Mario again? Because I was really into Mario 64 at that point. Um, but then after a couple of rounds, I was like, oh, can I have a go? So, yeah, my first experience was actually with the multiplayer. But then um, I suppose after like two or three games, I said, oh, can I check out the single player? And um, I can't remember why, but for some reason he put me on Frigate, which is a weird first level to play. <laughs> So yeah, it's my, a good level. It's good. Yeah, well, I think I mean, every level is objectively good in Goldeneye, but yeah, no frigate. I just for, so for some reason that's my earliest cemented single player experience with Goldeneye. 
Yeah, it's as good as one as any. Yeah. Can't really go wrong. And by the way, um, I didn't mention this before, but like you, I hadn't seen the film at this point. So this was all like fresh to me. I didn't have any frame of reference in terms of the film. So, but... Um, should we should we talk a bit about the history of the game's development? Because like, that's almost a whole podcast in itself. Uh, right. Yeah. But, and I noticed even on this uh, doc that you put up, you're going back a little even farther than I knew about. <laughs> I knew about the Virtual Boy and the Unrails, but um, <clears throat> apparently there was some ACM platformer concept right. as well that was yeah. going around. Yeah, Martin Hollis talked about this. Um and I think, see, he he's done so many like spotlights on Goldeneye since he left Rare, but I think this was in like the one-hour like stage show he did, which there's a video online. I'll link it to you later. Maybe we could put it up with the YouTube upload. Um, and he talked about how, um, yeah, when they very first got the license, uh, well, no, Nintendo spoke to Rare in '94 late 94 early 95 and said do you want to do something with the bond license and rare said no at first and then nintendo were like well just just go on do it just get like your low lower members on the you know keep keep the big guys for donkey kong but yeah just just give this to someone um and it was uh uh i think tim stamper spoke to martin hollis about it who was at the time martin hollis was working on the killer instinct team and um, he said, "Look, we've got the Bond IP. We want you to do something with this, you know, new, uh, new film, Goldeneye." And um, yeah, the initial concept—I don't know how far it went, but the it was first envisioned as an ACM side-scrolling platformer on the Super <laughs> Nintendo. That seems like an appropriate use for the Bond license. I mean, I'm sure it would have been awesome. <clears throat> <laughs> but to be fair, in the in the early nineties, I can see that would have been a thought they would have had. Like, it's uh, it's one of those things, isn't it? Where like so many movie tie-ins, if, especially if you look back to the NES, they were just platformers, whether they were suited to that genre or not. <laughs> That's true, because for a while, like platformers were video games. And we've kind of sort of... It's weird because now we're at the point where, like, to a lot of people, first-person shooters are video games, you know? Yeah. And, like, everything is turned into a shooter, whether it should be or not. (laughs) (laughs) And back then, everything was turned into a platformer, whether it should be or not. So, yeah. It kind of makes sense, I guess. Kind of wonder how that would have turned out. (laughs) Yeah, it's one of those... um... You know, it doesn't give me quite the same craving as Dream or Banjo 2.5D, but you still do wonder, like, hmm, I wonder if they made any demo builds of... uh... I just love the idea of, like, Pierce Brosnan in DKC-style ACM rendering. Um, (laughs) Maybe even, like, low bitrate sound clips from the movie. (laughs) He's going around and uh, doing chain jumps by stepping on Russians' heads, you know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and just have like you know when they used to get like sound clips but like they they could only fit a couple on because of the memory limitations so bond would keep quoting the same thing like like every time he jumps on an enemy it would, for england for england for england <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh. and maybe just have the bond james bond line every time he beats a level or something <laughs> the name's bond 
and it would be one of those ones where the audio is a little bit cracked in the compression mm-hmm. and they never bother fixing it so be like the name's Bond James Bond <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing oh we should so... make a 16 bit Bond game then we'll get sued it'll be amazing we could call it um, uh, Jim Gond Jim Gond yeah I was combined going back to... like, go on. Well, combined, combined like Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, but we can't use so James James Dark yeah. or Joanna Bond. Perfect Eye. Perfect Eye. <laughs> Perfect Eye. <laughs> that actually sounds like you'd get on uh, like Android iOS, like a really bad FPS called like Perfect Eye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is entirely original, guys. <laughs> God. And looks... the sad thing is, we'd still make money. <laughs> yeah. Like some of those Minecraft clones you see on the Wii U eShop, like Jesus Christ! I I really kind of want to make a troll game just like that. Just makes fun of the whole thing. Yeah, like, like put in a microtransaction <laughs> system that does absolutely nothing except like give you more of an item you can do nothing with, and see how many people buy it. <laughs> so like, a satire like, of the scourge of modern gaming. Yeah. Like, pay $5 to get 5,000 Twinkly Coins. <laughs> twinkly Coins are completely useless. We'll see, like, like, you know, right in parentheses. And then see if anyone buys it. Sad thing is, I bet someone would. Right. Pay, like, pay one ninety nine to access the options menu when you could already do that anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or just, like, stupid things that, like, nothing. Like, here, slightly change change the color of one pixel on your character. <laughs> A green stripe on his tie, <laughs> and you can't even see it because of the screen size. Yeah, well, it's five dollars per pixel, so you have to <laughs> you have to buy a bunch before his costume would be noticeably different. <laughs> oh, bloody hell! Uh... Mm-hmm. The new per pixel payment system in modern gaming, the newest fad. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. Anyway, um. After the ACM platformer concept, uh, next stop was a Virtual Boy racing game. Which I'm was... sure that would have been a smash hit. <laughs> Again, I do kind of wish we could have seen this, but like, I'm glad. Obviously, I'm glad we got what we did. But yeah, it's just so like these first two concepts are so completely different to what we ended up getting. Anything on the Virtual Boy is just it's just gonna make your eyes bleed. I don't know. I I've spoke to a few people who like who I trust more than the general internet consensus, and they say like it's it's really like people jumping on the bandwagon who say the Virtual Boy hurts your eyes. Apparently, like that's just that's really exaggerated. I don't know if you've ever played one. Uh, I have briefly. I mean, it's probably a little bit exaggerated. <laughs> But it is just psychologically not enjoyable to have red on black through the entire game. I, that's mm. honestly I think worse than the 3D effect is the red on black. It's just I don't know. It's very unappealing. Wario the Wario Land game for that was actually pretty good, but it's, it's a, it still gets a little bit tiresome to play through it. <laughs> I'd still like to pick one up one day. Oh shit! Actually. I'm pretty sure Matt Corner's got one. I should have asked to play it when I was at his. Damn. 
I, I can't wait for the virtual, the inevitable virtual emulator for like a uh, real VR. <laughs> for what? When it, for actual VR, like the oh right, like uh, Oculus Rift and stuff. Yeah, there, I feel like that's like a no-brainer. Like you have to do that. <laughs> hey, I wouldn't be surprised if one doesn't already exist. That I mean, com- I know a virtual boy emulator exists, but I don't know if it's compatible with uh, VR yet. The Oculus Rift comes out next Monday, like commercially. Oh no! I really, okay. really, really want to get one, but I, I'm not going to put that kind of bank into. Uh, such an experimental concept at the moment. Like I, I do think it's it's going to be great, but I, I think they need to iron out the kinks first. And I get the feeling that the price will come way down after a couple of years. I think the problem too is the uh, PC upgrades required. <laughs> That's insane. Like I ran the Oculus Rift test on the like three thousand. I think it's almost four thousand uh, dollar laptop at work. And it couldn't even play it. Really? <laughs> it's like your processor isn't good enough. I'm like, geez, what do you want? It's an i7. So, I don't know. Oh, um, I didn't know about yeah. that. Like, I just assumed yeah. it came... Oh, I didn't even know that. I, I thought it came with the hardware in the box. Oh, no. You need, like, at least <sighs> a $1,000 PC to run that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> the thing you're paying 600 bucks for is just all the sensors. And the, and the screen. Oh, okay. Like, the the actual uh, graphics power has to be from an external source. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Okay, never mind. Forget that for a while then. Um, yeah, you can. I think there's going to be some bundles for like fifteen hundred with a computer and uh, and the Rift, but you're still gonna pay like fifteen hundred for virtual reality. Did you see that video uh, a couple of years ago on YouTube of a guy? playing Skyrim with the Oculus Rift and a Wiimote and Nunchuck. Hmm, I don't think I did. Actually, might not. No, no, it wasn't the Oculus Rift. It was the one where you stand on that like that like disc on the floor so you can run around. Uh, oh, the Omnitread. See, the Omnitread's uh, separate. You would use that with an additional virtual reality device. Uh, what the Omnitread does is uh, it basically acts as a keyboard. Yeah. So you can map like any game's movement to it, and uh, basically use a rift for the mouse look. So you could have the rift as the or whatever one you have for the mouse look for Skyrim, and then have uh, the Omnitread be the keyboard. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, yeah, it's it's an amazing video of this guy, and it shows like his point of view and like seeing him from the outside as well, um, of him like running around a town in Skyrim and using his. Um, his nunchuck and Wiimote as a bow and arrow and it's like it's gimmicky as fuck but it's it's actually pretty incredible to watch like that is that is like one of those experiences that you think I'd love to try it even though it's such an expensive setup I'd love to just try it even just once I know VR I think have you tried any VR yet any of some of the cheap stuff Uh, I haven't personally but um, I've spoken to a couple of people I really trust who say this is pretty much the next Mario 64. Like yeah. the feeling playing it the first time, this is the Mario 64 effect all over again, where you just know I, this is going to be big. I haven't tried any of the high end stuff yet, but I have. Um, 
I have a Google Cardboard, which is kind of garbage, but it gives you that idea of what it is. And I have tried the uh, Samsung uh, Gear VR, which is a lot better than the cardboard because the, the cardboard gives the 3D effect and the immersion effect, but it kind of feels like you're looking through a shaky cam because it doesn't really follow your head movements mm. in one-to-one. But it gives you an idea, but mm. um, I'm hopefully I'm getting a Gear VR because I soon because I'm supposed to get one for free for buying my uh, S7. Yeah, my mate, so. my mate at work got one of them. He said I'm gonna. He said yeah, I could have a try. He got an S7 with a Gear VR, and he said um, it's amazing. But I don't know because it's so much cheaper. I, I do wonder how good it can be. Um, obviously, really high end graphics aren't really going to be po- possible. And it it's has kind of the um, someone described it as a head on a tripod VR, meaning it's because there's no cameras involved. It can't really tell if you're like leaning forward or, or leaning backward mm. or anything like that. So it's not true one one VR. It, it would be good for um, any type of like on rails type game or on rails videos and stuff like that. It's just another one of those things that's going to give you a good idea of what VR can do. Okay. It's probably not really that. I I I've because I tried one out at Best Buy and I I was really impressed with it, but that was me coming from a cardboard. I have yet to try um, one of the high end ones, but even just with what I've seen now, I still would agree with. I think this is the next big thing. <laughs> I I love it. I want it into my veins, and I wish it wasn't so expensive. So I am I'm quite excited about AR as well. Like if the Microsoft Hololens is done right, like I don't think the gameplay experiences will be as deep, but I think as like an accessory to your computer, like even just really simple, stupid things. Like imagine lying in bed with the Hololens, like on Skype, just like rearranging windows in front of you, like around your room, like you know, like different cameras and stuff. Yeah. I I could see it. I, to me, it's not nearly as exciting, but it, it needs to. The price <clears throat> needs to come down way before I'll even be interested. Well, not just well. Also, three D modeling applications in AR mm-hmm. and VR. I think that is where, like, one to one sculpting in VR. I think that's going to be. Uh... Yeah, just have the measurement three D modeling and have like the ability to like walk around your model as you make it. Yeah. <laughs> like look at it from other angle without rotating. Yeah. Like That'd be pretty man. insane. But anyway, um we kind of, you know, I <laughs> we were just talking about James Bond racing for the virtual boy. Mm-hmm. So that's into decided. That into VR. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We want VR. Please someone with money send yeah. us VR. So Rare can finally finish Bond Racer for the uh... Yes. <laughs> um, if Microsoft wants to send us a HoloLens so we can review Young Conquer, we will review Young Conquer. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, change our opinion on it faster. Completely. And while you're at it, send me your Oculus Rift and the HTC Vive so I can compare it to what you're working on. Okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> right. And a supercomputer as well. <laughs> right, so... Um... Have you got anything to say about the racing game? I've never played it, never will, never seen it screenshot. So I'm glad they didn't go that way because it would have been completely lost time. Yep. Uh, <laughs> so then it evolved into 
the next version which we actually have video footage from like we've seen footage of the on rails mm-hmm. version where it was going to be basically like virtual cop you know this kind of mid 90s arcade yeah yeah like time crisis virtual cop yeah yeah like Uh, light gun inspired games yeah which it would have been cool and like the levels designed the way they were um it does fit that kind of premise where you know you can like sneak into like maybe there'll be like an enemy hiding in a pointless room so you'll need to like go off the beaten track and get that Mm -hmm. um yeah, I mean, have you seen the very, very early footage of the on-rails version? I don't think I... I might have. I don't know. how. Is it, like, really any... Is it, like, just a few clips? I'm trying to remember. If yeah, I, I mean, there's no HUD or anything. It's just... Um, there's the very first reveal of Goldeneye from late 95, where it's an on-rails tour through the archives, and it's about... I think only about 15 seconds of footage remains. And like it's not okay. it's not even programmed properly at that point. It's just enemy models which are programmed to do their death animation when the camera moves in front of them. It's very bare bones. But then there's like a clip I think that came out about six months after that, so early '96, and it's um, the silo level, and it's like Bond goes up an elevator, and then um, looks around, and. There's, I can't even remember. I think there's like one enemy in the whole, but even that's only like a 10, 15 second clip. So this is like very fragmented early stuff we're talking here. Yeah, if I, if I've seen it, I don't really remember it. So I figured it would probably be something pretty minimal. Yeah, but I know I've read a good deal about it, and def- like definitely glad they didn't go that route. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm sure it would have been an okay game, but I don't think it would have been. It would never have reached the legendary status that this was. It would just been like a fun sort of disposable game you'd play for a little bit, get bored, and move on to something else. So I wouldn't have minded it as maybe um, an arcade counterpart, like mm-hmm. alongside the N64 release, if they did like GoldenEye Arcade on rail shooter in the same areas. That would have been cool. Oh yeah. No, but all right. Even if it was just like you know this one on rails level or something. Well, I mean, being a coin up shooter, they they'd have to do a bit more than that to make money on the arcades. But like you know, maybe they could just have like um, say facility, bunker, archives, control, and and cradle. You know, like the five big right. levels. Yeah, yeah. I guess what I meant was if maybe if in the N sixty four version, if they threw like an arcade style Unreal. Oh, level, okay, just, like, like a bo- like a bonus stage. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe there's one level where you're just happen to be on rails, or you're in like a on rails vehicle, or something like that. I don't know. I would've been all right with that. Yeah, just yeah. kind of experiment with that gameplay, but like a the f- full game like that, I don't think I would have wanted. No, no. It would have kind of gone against a lot of the reasons Goldeneye is so treasured to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, which kind of brings us on to the final mechanics, which are, you know, the way the game's set up now, it's just, it's almost like a free roaming shoot 'em up. Like, the boundaries are there purely based on, you know, what you can and can't do as part of your chosen objective. So, like, say if you go on the easiest mode, Agent, um, you might be able to get away with doing a lot more and causing a lot more destruction. Whereas the harder difficulties, it might be, you know, minimize scientist casualties or, you know, don't blow up a certain console. 
Um, right. Yeah. It's and such an interesting, just... like, strategic way of will of like level design for its era. Like everything was really just kind of a breakthrough for that game. Like the fact that they took that ridiculous controller and made a first-person shooter work on it. The fact that they made it work on console, period, let alone the N64, <laughs> was just nothing short of amazing. <laughs> like, I still just love that control configuration they came up with. Like, it's still viable to this day. And it is the... I've never seen any other first-person shooter that didn't have twin-stick controls pull it off as well as GoldenEye did. Like, Well... Did you know that the digital controls, as in, you know, the C buttons being like a, a right stick, did you know that wasn't added until very close to the game's release? Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I did. I actually they came up with that. <laughs> for the first time since we started this show, I actually did some research today. Um, I looked up, uh, like, a lot of early development stuff and, like, interviews with Martin Hollis, and um, originally... One of the core gameplay mechanics that they were going to include was that um, Bond's footsteps would alert enemies. So, depending how hard you push the analog stick, you know your footsteps would be louder or quieter. Kind of like what they did in Banjo Tooie for a couple of missions, where you got to be careful how fast you walk through like the thorns mm-hmm. and the grass. Um, but yeah, this is going to be a core gameplay feature of Goldeneye. Um, it, and I believe the reason they that was removed from the final version was because of the digital alternatives. Like, you can't simulate analog walking with a D-pad and C buttons, so they had to drop the feature altogether. You get what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah, yeah, for the different control configurations and whatnot. Yeah. So, and, and like Martin Harless confirmed, up until like almost the final build, the game only ever had one control scheme, whereas the final release has like eight optional control schemes. <laughs> there was that one ridiculous one where you wield two controllers. Oh, there's four. Yeah, there's four dual controller options where it's like one of you will walk and one of you will shoot. And man, it's so dated and archaic. But how fucking cool is it that that's a thing that exists? Like the yeah. the fact that exists is so much cooler than like. <laughs> I don't know. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm glad the way games have developed and streamlined in some way, but it's just you're missing something today when you get your average card or Halo, and like the only thing you can alternate is like, you know, which axes you look, you know, your Z axes, your Y axes, your sensitivity, and maybe you know swap your jump button for your action button. Yeah. Whereas. the only thing I think ever went up to it was um, the Time Splitter series because they literally just like, hey, customize everything here. Uh, go into the controls and then map whatever action you want to whatever button. <laughs> of course, those are pretty much a lot of the same guys with the same sensibilities. Yeah. So, yeah. Because I literally did that the first time I played Time Splitters 2 is I went in and then I mapped the face buttons to be like the C buttons so I could play it GoldenEye style. <laughs> All right. Well, um, I, I say, look, I haven't played Time Splitters in so long. I, I didn't remember you could alternate the controls to that degree. That's good to know. Oh yeah, like every single control option is like a like PC style options oh, for the controls. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it's not not really done. 
a whole lot. <laughs> I'll tell you one removed feature from Goldeneye, actually, uh, related to the controllers. A removed feature which I think is so typical of 90s Rare, and I wish this could have been included. It sounds so fun. Do you know what I'm going to say? Um, I'm not sure, actually. Originally, to reload your gun, you had to remove the rumble pack and stick it back in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How fun does that sound? It sounds stupid, but you think about it. And, like, I think the physical sensation of doing that sounds so rewarding. I, I think that would have to be optional, though, because I think there'd be times when it's just like, that sounds like too much work. <laughs> yeah, like the, if the batteries run out. But anyway, apparently Nintendo were the ones who refused to allow them to do it. Like, they were all set to do it, and Nintendo um, were really against it and just said, look, guys, you've got to cut that feature. Um, maybe they were worried about people like getting excited and pulling it out and pushing it in too fast and breaking the connectors, which I can kind yeah, of right. get. Yeah, then they come up with Wiimotes that people are literally flying at their television sets years later. So. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Don't fact that I've still like got that. the wrist handles strapped to my Wii remotes and like I've never used them. <laughs> I just put them on <laughs> as part of a like, force of habit. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, Nintendo. <laughs> Silly kids. Yeah. Uh, oh, speaking of which, um, I, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll make this the last tangent of the episode, but what do you think of that potential NX controller leak? We were talking a bit about this the other day. Oh, right, yeah. I mean, we still haven't... It hasn't been verified, and I don't know if it's real or not. And it seems like... Everyone's opinion changes every day, and I haven't really been keeping up if anything news leaked with it. But yeah, I I need to see it in action before I render final judgment. I just, I don't really like the idea of not having physical buttons, mm. but there could be an optional real controller, and I do think I like what I've seen there better than the gamepad. Really, at least it looks. I think so. I think at least it looks at least it looks kind of cool, whether it's fun to play or not. It's not like a massive, huge thing. And I'm hoping there's another patent. That I think I'm not sure if it was attached to the um, freeform screen patents, but there was another one that suggested like uh, removable control sticks, and some people suggested like, hey, maybe you can pop out the, one of the control sticks, put in another little attachment that has buttons on it. And from what I've seen of that prototype, it almost looks like a possibility, because you notice that the control sticks are very wide. Yeah. Like, there's a lot of space, and it's like, that seems kind of unusual. So maybe that could sort of go with that other patent where you could, like, customize your controller <laughs> and do stuff like that. I just think the ideas and, combined make it look like a hot mess based on that one screen. Like, the buttons are actually in the screen. I just... Yeah, it's kind of like a... I mean, I think the idea... I, I get the feeling that the idea is probably going to be to keep a majority of the action to, like, the center of the screen. Yeah. And then that's just going to be kind of like some extra places where they can, you know... So someone made a cool mock-up video when the patents first came out where they literally had the controller change into whatever classic controller of a virtual console game you were playing, mm. which I thought was kind of cool. So there's cool applications for it 
and I feel that we're probably if the, if it's real, I feel that there's probably a hook that we're completely missing. Well, I'll just I'll kind of really antsy for E three now. Like I just want to yeah. <laughs> get on with it. I want to see it. I think, and it's a shame. Oh. What? Oh, there was one uh, thing I don't know if you heard is that the uh, picture on it was identified. What was it? Uh, it's an Unreal Four demo, tech demo. Oh, okay. The, the, pe- so, someone frame by frame through a tech demo and found the exact frame that's appearing on that on that controller mockup. So, <laughs> I'm not sure, you know, if that speaks to or for its authenticity, but that's that is what it's displaying. Oh, okay. So if it is real, it means that it is capable of handling Unreal Four, if it's real. But, you know. <laughs> well, we'll see. Come E3, anyway. Yep. Um. So, uh, yeah, back to Goldeneye. Anyway. Uh, uh, so, so yeah, I, 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 it's a shame they cut that Rumble Pack feature, but I can see why they did it. Like the logistics of people just snapping the connectors. Um. Nintendo's ruining all the fun. They ruin stop and swap. They ruin reloadable rumble track cartridges and the face mapping on Perfect Dark. Oh well. Well, <clears throat> that's just uh, you know one of those. The stop and swap I can understand because um, the Nintendo hardware was changed to um, the 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 low the the time that the RAM. Wasn't it like the RAM on the early on the early models? It kept the cart in memory for ten seconds, and later on, it was dropped to two seconds. Yeah, so it still would have been possible, but you had to have been really quick to do it. Yeah, which is a shame. But I don't see why. Why couldn't the Banjo team have just done it with like a controller pack, like save something to a memory card? Yeah, that that was kind of the weirdest thing. They went through all that trouble of cartridge swapping when they couldn't have just used the controller back. Yeah. <laughs> oh well. Anyway, never mind. Um, but yeah. Anyway, back back to uh, yeah, Golden Knight itself. Um, but yeah, the way the way the game ended up turning out, I think, and it, it, yeah, it's easy to say this, but I think it is the best possible direction they could have done. I think for its time. It was just for like to me this after Mario sixty four this is the next big tentpole game mm-hmm. on of that not just on the N sixty four but of that generation I think it was oh yeah for sure Mario sixty four then GoldenEye then Half Life and then Ocarina I think those four games in the space of two years kind of changed the face of gaming forever yeah definitely because I mean the way shooters were. Before GoldenEye and after GoldenEye is like, it's it's like it changed almost everything the way that Mario sixty four changed three D platforming. Yeah, it, it's yeah definitely one of the most influential games, and I want that remake of it on <laughs> Xbox Live. That will never happen. Well, I suppose that brings us on to um, like the visuals. Um, the, the you know the graphics uh well this is something that i don't really see discussed that often when talking about goldeneye but what do you actually think of the graphics themselves um objectively they're probably kind of bad but they're also just very there's something very i'm not sure what the word i'm looking for i like the way it looks 
Yeah. Even though you could objectively argue they're not very good. Like, everything with the blocky characters, the way they move, everything about it is just very charming. Like, it sounds really weird to say about a shooter game, but... <laughs> no, I, lo- I love the way that, like, the faces are so clumsily mapped onto the models. Yeah. <laughs> I love the hands, too. They're like, they look just like these just squished slices of cheese with <laughs> fingers drawn on. <laughs> and I love um, some of the weird animations of the enemies, like... They'll see you, and then they'll jump to the right for no reason. <laughs> this side jump then, animation that's just loaded in for no reason. And, like, you know, once they point the gun and get far enough in, they can't change their sh- what they're shooting at. They'll just sit there firing a full clip at nothing when you <laughs> strafe behind them. <laughs> I love it. Oh. oh, man. Oh, you make me really so want to never... play it again. Yeah. I was playing uh, last week and this morning, playing through. I get as, through as much as I could before the podcast. How far have you got? Yeah. Um, I'm at the train. Oh, okay. Yeah. And it's really a pain to open up that door at the end of train if you're not using an N64 controller. <laughs> uh, what do you mean, oh, open well. up the door? Um, we got the we got the laser lasering the door at the bottom of the train. Oh, the out. the floor, the the the, the floor. floor panel. Yeah, I I don't know what I was calling it the door. <laughs> yeah, floor panel. <laughs> oh, and you're only playing on agent mode, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, but well, just yeah, on on agent you get uh one minute, and I think on double O agent you only get forty five seconds to do the floor. <laughs> I, yeah, I, think... I know. I'll, I'll I'll give it another shot, <laughs> probably later, and I'll probably get through it all right. But yeah, I know it's it definitely feels this is one of those games that almost feels a little bit easier to me than when I first played it. Like I accidentally got like a cheat option, a couple of cheat options, just just by powering through some of the levels really quick. So I think there's some of them that you can legitimately play through an agent and get cheat options. Yeah, well, it's like, I think go on. I think it was the the two times throwing knife uh, one. I think it's in Bunker B. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was the Bunker B level. And yeah, I just I accidentally got that one just by playing through the level normally on Agent. I think it was like a minute 30. And it's like so easy because all you got to do is just like race through that level. They don't even try to shoot Natalia then. Just going to like, you know, take, take the keys, kill all the guards... Uh, grab the tape and then head out through the main door and it doesn't matter where Natalia is she'll still somehow be behind you when you get out the door (laughs) as opposed to how annoying she is in um, the archives where she like freaks out gets scared if you start shooting around her yeah the Natalia AI is a bit weird well all the AI is a bit weird in that game but um I love it when she runs in front of guards you're shooting at for no apparent reason. Something um, that I've never really seen people mention uh, when talking about God, no, but isn't it weird how James Bond himself, like, look at his face, he looks nothing like Pierce Brosnan. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't really. He just looks like generic man, like mid-90s <laughs> 3D man. <laughs> I think, like, a lot of people in their head, they've kind of, like, I don't know, they've retroactively 
made it so he looks like Pierce Brosnan, but he really looks nothing like him. You know, he looks like James Bond, but in a way, I guess you could say he looks like, you know, a, a sort of generic Bond rather than a specific actor. Maybe they did it that way on purpose so you could imagine him being whatever actor you wanted. Yeah, I suppose. I don't know. Rather than the uh, the remake where it's Daniel Craig, but that's a story for another week. <laughs> Why? Why, Daniel Craig? You're not in the movie! <laughs> right, um... Yeah, so I, I, I do really like the look of the game. Um, like, uh, some of the texture work is really simple, but, I mean, you think it was developed on the uh, the silicon workstation thing, you know, that they had before the N64 dev kits. And... Mm-hmm. Um, like they didn't even know what the final specs of the system were until like halfway through development and uh, right. apparently when they got the final specs the N64 could render polygons a lot faster than they'd predicted but the texture map the 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 texture uh, resolutions were half of what they predicted so they had to like downsize a lot of the textures mhm uh yeah and he, I've heard that over and over again about the N64. So it was really bad at texturing. <laughs> lo- Whereas the PlayStation was terrible <clears throat> at polygons. Well, apparently, like, um, one of the tricks Martin Hollis talked about they used was um, a lot of the textures in GoldenEye are black and white because um, black and white uh, textures you can do at twice the resolution without constraining the system. So it do black a black and white texture and then just put a color tint in it, some and like so it doesn't count as a color texture. So there's just these like brilliant little workarounds that you thought they'd have left behind in the NES days of having to find all these tricks, but you now they were still doing them <laughs> even in the N64. <laughs> well, that's cool. Yeah, and you can definitely tell. I'm not trying to speak negatively to the team, but you can tell it's kind of like the. The new team, because you don't really see a lot of the trademark art look of Rare. Yeah. As opposed to a lot of the other games. They kind of changed when they went to Perfect Dark. You started to see a little bit more of their trademark visual touch a little bit. Yeah. But the GoldenEye was just like, you know, it if it wasn't, if I didn't know it was a Rare game and I'd never played it before, I don't think I would have been able to tell just by looking at it. Yeah, it just it's its own beast, and in a way, I guess that sort of sets it apart from other rare games because it's just it's such a unique looking game. And the only other game I can think of which looks anywhere close to it, well, there's a couple actually. There's um, Perfect Dark, obviously, which was the spiritual successor, which kind of still has a bit of the Goldeneye look to it, and also um, the world is not enough for uh, PS1 and N64 and PC. Like, it's actually not a bad game, but you can tell the team were just completely right. trying to recapture the success so, of GoldenEye. I don't think a PC version was ever released for that. Oh, I thought it was. Oh, maybe I'm wrong. Sorry. I think so, because I'm not sure which version it would be, because actually, I don't know if you know this, but the PlayStation and N64 versions are entirely different games with different dev teams. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. Yeah, no, damn. Um, I'm 
I'm just I was thinking of the N64 version then. Like that is clearly inspired by Goldeneye. Right. Yeah, that's <clears> definitely <throat> the better version. I would say I've played the PS1 version. I haven't beat the PS1 version, but I've played it, and it just feels kind of awkward. Mm. It's not a bad game, but it just doesn't. And then they have these all, and then they sort of abuse um, the PS1's video ability. So they put like in like these really low resolution clips for the movie in between levels, <laughs> and it just ends up being more distracting. Whether they have just used the in-game models. Yeah, that was kind of like the big the shit back in the day, like. Uh... You'd be blown away that they got video clips, but then it would switch back to gameplay, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> this looks terrible. <laughs> I mean, you know, obviously, you know, Square, we even played the Final Fantasy games, but they made really good use of it, of merging the two together very well. Yeah. You know, in some ways, they would have like, even like full motion video in the background where your characters are moving. And they did a lot of really cool things with it, but a lot of the early PS1 games just went with as simple as like you know recording something down down encoding that to PS1 resolution and then sticking it awkwardly in places the last game I can think of that did something really awkward in that same vein was um, you know uh, Rogue Squadron 3 Rebel Strike for the GameCube right uh, did you play that Not one? played it I did not oh. play that one. I've played the other two a little bit, okay. though. It's a very good game. Like, the flight missions in particular are pretty amazing. It's well worth picking up for those. But, <laughs> like, there's um, a lot of levels based on the movies, like, uh, where you're on foot. So, for example, like, the uh, the Death Star, uh, the Death Star, you know, saving Princess Leia in A New Hope, and... Uh, the Degaba training with yoga, uh, yoga, y- Yoda, um, and like you'll be running around in a kind of like not very attractive 3D world, and then it will cut to like a video clip from the film, and then it will cut back, and it's just so jarring. Like I don't really think games do that anymore, do they? Like everything's kind of rendered in the same visual style now. They don't. They don't, they rarely use real video clips. Yeah, I mean, at some point, at some time, they'll do the thing where they'll basically use, um, they'll use in-engine FMV. Yeah. Where they'll use the models and all that, but then record it off a really powerful computer so they can get max detail. Put that in a video and then kind of merge it in. Oh yeah, yeah. 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 Then that looks. That usually looks fine, especially because you know there's not really the video compression nowadays is unnoticeable. And it really just looks like the graphics got a little bit better for this one scene, which we all kind of expect for cutscenes anyway. Yeah, like, um, I think um, Halo Reach did that, didn't they? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, um, yeah they did. I have did. not played that one. It's the one I oh. haven't played. <laughs> I think Halo 3 did it as well, like, uh, where it would be... <clears throat> Like I'm not, I'm not thinking of like I know Halo Four and Halo Two and Halo, you know, Two Anniversary and Halo Five were a bit different because they took like, they actually did, uh, they they outsourced the cutscenes, didn't they, to like a different animation studio, and they're completely different models. Um, yeah, for all the cutscenes in Halo Two Anniversary are like that, and I think there's. Only some of the cutscenes in four, like the opening cutscene in four, and same for five. Yeah. 
And it's all like the same studio. So I think they only did like the opening and ending for Halo 4 and 5. But for some reason with 2, they they redid the whole thing. Yeah, they redid the whole thing for (laughs) 2. And I've got to say, right, it's jarring, but it's beautiful. Like some of those Halo 2 scenes, like there's one point where I was looking at Johnson and I was like, is that a real actor? It just looks so incredible. Oh yeah, I think they did a really good job at Halo 2 Anniversary. Yeah. I don't know. We're probably getting a little bit off topic now. <laughs> yeah. Going to Halo rant some other time. <laughs> um, mm. Music. Music. Now, this has aged a lot better than the visuals. Yes. The music is, is timeless. As much as I love the wonky graphics, I, I understand if someone played that and, like, you, I don't want to play this because of the graphics. Yeah. I mean, you're a shallow, horrible person <laughs> and hate all joy in the world, but I can understand it. Um,. The music, though, the music's top notch, especially the um, that recently released sort of uncompressed um, versions of Grant's music that were going around. I mean, that stuff sounds good. Oh, I haven't heard them. Not being. Yeah, uh, I'll have to send you a link later. But yeah, it's basically. I'm not sure. I think Grant originally posted it, so it's basically how the songs sound when they're not being ran through in the 64 hardware. Yeah. And just like sort of like the raw format, and it's only his his tracks like um, Norgate stuff. There's not the uncompressed version. It's just Grant's because he, for whatever reason, posted it. <laughs> I don't think it's posted anymore because I know at one point he posted a bunch of banjo music and a lot of older stuff, and then he took it down because he was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna get sued." So. <laughs> oh, um, talking about Grant's music, um, did you see that tweet exchange between him and Craig Duncan last week? Oh yeah, where he's like, "Hey, can you uh, find a way for someone to purchase that?" And he's like, "Well," and then Craig Duncan's like, "Yeah, man, that seems solvable. I'll look into it." Yeah, so that was kind of cool. <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, the Banjo Kazooie soundtrack might be available digitally soon, which would be cool. Uh, you know, you could get it on vinyl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I really want that on vinyl. By the way, I just need need to get a record player. Oh, I've got like two. There you go, you can give one to me. Um, we'll see. <laughs> well, I don't know if he can take it on his hand luggage, maybe, on the plane, but... Big. <laughs> like, why are you taking a whole turntable with you? <laughs> I just love the idea of like the, the flight attendant being like, um, can you turn off all electrical equipment till takeoff? And you're like, yeah, yeah, sure. And then as soon as you have taken off, you're like, right, can I plug this in somewhere? And you're just playing like the banjo <laughs> vinyl on a plane. <laughs> I find a way to get like this huge battery hooked up to a turntable and just have it sit on my lap. <laughs> then I start complaining if they get turbulence. Like, you're making the needle skip. <laughs> you drive safer. <laughs> oh, God. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think of like my favorite tunes from uh, Goldeneye, and it's, it's pretty hard. Uh, they're all so good. Um, Uh, Frigate's one of my favorites. Yeah, absolutely. I was just gonna say Frigate. Uh... The uh, yeah, very nice statue. The statue one. That's really good. Um, yeah. I'm trying to remember what plays in Depot, but I feel Depo. like that's good too. Du, Depot. Du, du, du. 
You remember? Yeah, very nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just love the sound of this game, and I love. I, I mean, I'll tell you what, and I'll get into this a bit later when we're talking about the levels. But I don't know if it's the visuals or the music or a combination, but something about this game, in some of the levels, it creates a very unsettling atmosphere. Like I, I actually think Surface B is a terrifying level. Yeah, I was just gonna say that that one. There's something really just creepy about that. Level. Yeah, just the hazy, the red sky, Ugh. and yeah. I, I think I mentioned this in a Halloween episode last year. In fact, I remember I did because at the time you couldn't quite. I think you said you weren't sure if it scared you or not. You couldn't quite remember, but now you've played through it last week. Yeah, yeah. I actually was playing that level today oh, too, okay. and I was like, "Yeah, this is a really creepy level." <laughs> uh, there's that one and um, caverns as well, like with the music. Mm-hmm. That. Gone. I would say probably statue as well, just because of all these weird things living yeah. around in the statue park. Statue's kind of terrifying because of um, all the weird things about it, like you know. Once you see Trevelyan, all the other enemies just vanish. And then, like, <clears throat> the shotgun guys, like Alex guys, they know where you are. Even if you hide and there's none in sight, they, they all swarm towards you. Like, it's a, well, they'll find you. In the code, they like, they know where you are. It's so weird. Yeah. Um, just that last scene when you get the flight recorder and come back, and then there's just guys everywhere. Oh, that is creepy, man. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think really like the N64's poor draw distances really like make everything sort of more creepy because you don't really see there's always that hazy fog in a lot of the really open levels I was actually walking into town yesterday and there was a bit of a fog dropped kind of out of nowhere and um, I looked off this bridge um, over to the uh, where the railway tracks are and I looked in the distance where there's this tunnel and the fog had like completely obscured the entranceway and I was like, and, and in my head, it's so stupid, but in my head, I was like, ooh, we're in N64 draw distance territory today. <laughs> <laughs> See, it's actually realistic. It's just always a very foggy day yeah. in Nintendo World. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah. but yeah, no, music-wise, though, yeah, this game's a treat. Um it's just, uh, it, it, and we say this a lot on this show, but this is very true of Rare in general. Like, it, it's such a timeless soundtrack. Like, it, it worked then, it works today. And yeah, sure, like, the MIDI sequencer itself is dated, but, like, the, the tunes, they just hold up mm-hmm. to this day. Yeah, they will be. They will be remixed and enjoyed until the end of time, I'm sure. Definitely. Um, and I suppose, like, the sound effects as well, like, while we're talking about music, like, uh, the, the the gun sound effects are pretty good, you know, for its time. Uh, yeah, definitely. The sound design is pretty de- decent, especially, like, even when you turn it on, you get that little sort of sound. Mm. Like... Like I, I tried that on my 5.1 surround system for the first time, uh, you know, this week. And I was like, this actually sounds really good. <laughs> this is an N64 game. Uh, this is some nice sound design. It's really interesting, like, 
now that I have a decent sound system playing back older games and seeing just how some games have terrible sound and some have really good <laughs> and you don't really notice that much when you're playing on like a you know 13 inch tv with mono sound like i used to when i was a kid but yeah there's definitely a lot put into sound design that you don't really appreciate unless you have a good setup well it's weird isn't it because i guess like the late 90s seemed to, it seemed to be like sound design and like surround sound immersion was being pushed further than like you know visual clarity at the time like the amount of mm-hmm. N64 games which have really good surround sound mixes, but so few people will ever actually experience them. I like, know. I remember. You know what's weird? I, is, go on. Go ahead. <laughs> is that I've played some um, fairly recent like Xbox 360 games and whatnot that have like terrible sound design. I think some of these older games sound better from that time period. It's really weird. Yeah, like um, I got uh. In, I guess, 2004, I got this surround sound set up um, with a TV that at the time was, um, like, I thought it was uh, super powerful, but it was just, I mean, looking back, it was terrible. It was like a 28-inch CRT widescreen TV. But, um, you know, at the time, it was like I was getting the best technology available. And I had a really decent surround sound setup, and um, I actually went back and played a load of Super Nintendo and N64 games, and they sounded incredible. And I kind of missed that because since when I moved out of my parents, I got rid of a load of stuff, and like since then, I've never really had a decent sound setup. I've just got you know a normal sound bar, and that's it. So I'm <laughs> to this day, I'm only on just stereo. Ah, should you should invest worth it yeah i got i got a i don't remember how much i paid it was i think it was under 500 i paid for like the whole thing for the receiver and the speakers and it, it sounds pretty good huh. it's not the most amazing but the cool thing is because it's a re- it's not you know how a lot of those theater in a box ones the speakers only work with their with their crappy receiver yeah but it's actually a full functioning receiver and they saved money a little bit on the speakers so i could easily just Go go out and buy really expensive speakers and make it sound any better without pouring in more money for a new receiver. Oh right, but, I'll I'll, um, yeah. I'll definitely look into some. I mean, when when was this? When you got this set up? Um, I got it. Well, when did I move? Like last September. Because my old system uh, did not survive the move, so I had to buy another one. Oh okay. And my. My old one was one of those theater in a box setups where it was, you know, it was like a DVD player with speakers with like 5.1 surround sound, but the speakers only worked with that particular DVD player kind of deal. Yeah, yeah, it was kind of crap. Like and that, that just it just refused to power up after the move. So something happened. So we went went out to Best Buy and uh, picked one up on credit <laughs> because I'm poor. But I have no interest financing, and now I'm starting to advertise Best Buy, so I should. Probably yeah, it's like the third time you mentioned Best Buy this episode. <laughs> Best Buy for all your electronic needs. <laughs> twelve twelve months no interest financing on on purchases over three hundred dollars. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll definitely check them out. <laughs> Do they have those in uh, Great no. Britain? No. Oh, that's sad. Sorry. <laughs> um all right then well um 
we're just coming up to like where we're going to talk about the the multiplayer and the main game in general, like level by level. So, um, is this a good cutoff point? You think? Because we're nearly at two hours now. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could theoretically talk about multiplayer a little bit, but that I'm not sure if that's gonna if that's gonna drag on a long time. We probably shouldn't, because that's probably kind of the main feature. <laughs> like seriously, this could be a three parter easily. Easily. I'm not saying we'll do a three parter, but yeah, we'll, just, we'll see where it goes. I mean, we could always. Um, I think this is a good place to leave it for now. Um, and then I guess next week we can just see how we're going. If we're getting close to the two hour mark again, you know, we'll just. Yeah, this could end up being month of golden. <laughs> <laughs> it's golden month. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, all right then. Uh, we're going to leave it there. Uh, I think that's probably best, or else we'll go. We'll break our good track record of keeping our uh, our um, our our shows being two hours or less. Yeah, I know when so. we talk about multiplayer, no matter how we tr- how much we try and keep it contained. We're gonna end up shooting over by like thirty minutes. So, yeah. all right then. Uh, well, yeah, this has been um, sort of look at the history development of the game, and uh, tune in next week. We'll go in depth on the levels themselves, and um, yeah, maybe we'll have a couple of calls to play next week. Now the, uh, the, the 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 topic's been broached somewhat. Mhm. And. Yeah, share, call in, send emails, you know, send whatever you want as long as it's not nothing very disturbing to my home address. Oh no, that's all right. You can just send that to my personal uh, email address. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So rareandfriends at gmail dot com. That's rare and the word and not an ampersand. I feel like I have to give that disclaimer every time. <laughs> yeah. Y- y- you're not really I don't even think you can put an ampersand in an email address if you wanted to so yeah don't do that don't try to do that it won't work (laughs) alright then guys well um, yeah this has been uh, series 2 episode what are we up to 9 now I think 9 yeah we're we're gonna hit the 2 digits on season 2 next week yeah isn't that exciting Uh, a digit will change and so will your life (laughs) And we're now also at the uh, quarter century mark. This is our twenty-fifth episode overall. So uh, yeah, we're doing good. Another woohoo! Another twenty-seven, and we'll be able to be syndicated. Yay! <laughs> we'll be on the radio. <laughs> Probably not. Yeah, BBC Radio will be here every Sunday night. What if we just started? I wonder if I I wonder if I could legitimately get this on public access somehow, <laughs> like my local local area. I don't know. I don't know what you would need to do that. But I've seen some weird stuff on public access before. Some of the copyright stuff we use, especially in the early episodes. Uh... Yeah, probably not. Yeah. <laughs> that would be really bizarre though if someone just turned on. I mean, like not that anyone watches public access. Someone's like flipping through it, and then the log cast is right there. <laughs> Like, what is this crap? Why are they talking about about this banjo character? What is this nonsense? Okay, well, anyone who lives in Michigan, keep an eye out or an ear out for uh, Dave's attempts to get the logcast <laughs> on public access. We, we will be the next Wayne's World. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. You have a good week. See you later, guys. Bye. Bye.